Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bookmore Show. It's Stuart Bell here with Betsy Vaughan. Betsy, how's it going? Very good. Happy July. I know, it's crazy, right? We were uh, away for a couple of days, 3rd July 4th, and it's uh, it really doesn't seem that long since Christmas. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Which somebody means it's posted, not that long to the next. Yeah. That's what somebody posted on social media, um, six months until Christmas. It was, you know, it was till Christmas Eve, so it was June you know, 24th, and um, <laughs> I thought that was just the most insane thing ever. Start exactly. counting down the back of the year. It's uh, in the UK. There's not really a big holiday in the middle of the year. Kind of you get a couple of public holidays in May, but there isn't anything as kind of um, there isn't as much of a flagpole planted as July Fourth over here. So oh. the summer kind of it's the solstice in the middle of June that kind of stands out a little bit as the longest day. And then summer vacations for schools typically don't start until they've probably got another week or two in school. So you don't tend to get until summer vacation starts. You don't tend to get that big flagpole. So it's almost like Christmas is jumps on you a little bit because you don't tend to notice till September, which in a way I think is better because at least you get to enjoy the summer without thinking about the uh, <laughs> winter coming around too right. soon. It's kind of nice to have a, a little holiday though in the summer, you know, kind of a, a little break, not, not a 4th of July on a Wednesday. I mean, that kind of <laughs> messes up everything, you know, um, though I was kind of excited yesterday because it was like, there was Almost this, like a, a weekend it was like a break Monday, in the middle. But then it was like a Thursday. It was Monday, but it's Thursday. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh. And so then it was like a two day work week. It was really messes with your head, you know? So, um, Confusing. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. there might be some people out there who took the holiday time to um, write something on their book. So yeah. let's talk about, uh, we were going to talk about some keep it simple things. Um, based on a couple of the questions that we've had recently. So let's dive into that. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, the thing that spurred off this call, someone was uh, uh, a note asking for an InDesign version of their book that we've done with them. There was someone else of a couple of weeks ago now, I think, who was talking about um, we were doing something on the cover and we were talking about making some changes there. So I thought it was a good opportunity to look at that kind of keep it simple methodology that we've got around the whole process and we talk about quite a lot but we don't necessarily talk about the the details of not so much how we can do it but if you listen to this and looking to do it yourself just some pointers for keeping it as straightforward as possible i mean obviously the simplest thing you can do is get us to do it get us to do it for you but without kind of being too obvious on that uh let's go through the the individual steps of it and look at some of the ways of even if it's not so much keeping it simple it's not getting drawn into complexity which as we've said many times before is complexity is really the thing that kills it and slows it all down and means that just as we were saying it it will be christmas before we know it and uh, (laughs) worst case scenario is you won't be finished with the book right exactly all right keep it simple yeah let's uh, look at the two steps or the two main elements so we've got the interior and the cover so everything that we're talking about is really modeling our own process um there are various other ways of getting the book out there printed published um you could go down the route of using a local printer and binder to get it done you could print it at home in the office in in theory you can bind it yourself but all of those things are more problematic or slow down the whole process so we typically talk about create space as being the printer they're a print on demand service you can print one copy or a thousand copies 
it plugs straight into Amazon because Creative Space is owned by Amazon, so it makes it very easy at the um, fill in a couple of fields, push a button, and then you can make the book available on Amazon. Amazon does all of the fulfillment, so at every stage it's as straightforward as possible. Now, as we've said before, you might have a different set of priorities or you might be looking for something slightly different if you're looking to sell the book as the product, as the um, as a thing in which you're making money. There might be cheaper alternatives. But really, we're talking about getting the book out there as a lead generation tool to start a conversation, collect name and address details that we've talked about many times in the past to lead that conversation towards being able to help people and uh, and eventually do business with them. So that's the setup. We're going to really be talking about CreateSpace as the printer and the, the ways to keep it simple using using those guys. Okay. What I didn't do right. to keep the podcast simple was get a drink before I started. So Uh-oh. I've got a feeling my voice is going to give out because it's, it's already going a little bit. So um, apologies if it starts getting a little bit croaky. Um, where, where do you want to start? The inside or outside? Let's start inside. Okay, that's probably easier. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, there's uh, there's fewer moving parts and it's more straightforward mm-hmm. to to get going. So the key thing about the interior is getting the layout accurate for the print file. So each printer will have its own requirements on the dimensions of the pages and the margins on the left and right, depending on how it's being bound. But with all of the services, you'll get a document or a web page that will talk about exactly what those requirements are. And then it's just a case of making sure that you're using the correct template or the correct layout so that the file that you create is of the right dimension so that it gets printed and the pages are the right way around and there's enough space on the edge of them for the margins and the cuts and the bleeds and all that type of thing. So with CreateSpace, they'll provide some Word document templates that are predefined and preset up with the right margins so the most straightforward way is to google around for creative space templates pull down the one size to the right proportions and by size we're really talking about the page size so there's many different page formats you can select mm-hmm. from from the five by eight which is the typical book that we produce through bigger sizes um, if you've got more content it's usually an idea to step up to perhaps six by nine as a standard size because what we're typically saying to people is that the finished product the finished physical product in this sense you really want it a size that people believe that they can get through in a plane flight so we typically talk about a kind of um, north to south plane flight from florida to new york that's two and a half hours flight by the time you've got up eaten some peanuts had a drink before you need to start descending again you've probably got about 90 minutes or so to to consume some media on the flight whether it's you want people to read your book or whether they're watching a movie typically around 90 minutes or so so a a book that ends up uh, between somewhere between kind of 35 and 55 pages is pretty much the the right size to be able to consume and understand and get the message and read the call to action at the back and start thinking about what the action steps are to do now so that when people land and and get some time they can follow through on that next action step so the page dimensions eight by five or six by nine as two examples you might need to manipulate the contents um, 
manipulate the size of the document so that you've got about the right number of pages. If you've got a lot of words and you want to still keep that page count, go to the bigger size. If you've got fewer words, but you still want it to give the impression of a, of a book that's worthwhile reading, go to the smaller sizes. Does that make sense? Trying to hit that balance. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. really, particularly around, I mean, it's obviously less of an issue on a physical book because you don't get the same, um, there isn't the same physical dimensions, but trying to orchestrate it so that the physical element ticks all the boxes um, gives people the impression that it's both worthwhile reading, but also easy to read. Uh, you've got a bit of flexibility on or a couple of options to pick whatever is the right choice. Yeah, I think people have that. Uh, people, I, we have this conversation, and you can hear people when I when I'm speaking to people who are coming on board. They're like, kind of ruffling things on their desk, reaching for a book, you know, to measure the size. Um, right. Yeah, they're they're always kind of, uh, oh, okay, I guess you're right. They in their mind they're thinking five by eight. That's small, you know. But it's really <laughs> right. not. It's a perfect size to throw in a in your laptop bag or your handbag or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Easy read and 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 like six by nine can get a little bit bigger and people sometimes will challenge me, you know, on oh no I need a six by nine or bigger I need a bigger book you know like they're wanting that, um, but I'm saying with, you're gonna have a thin book that's not gonna you know it's not gonna give exactly. the substance that you want you know it's not gonna give that that presence. And if the objective is still met with a smaller book, then why not go? why not save that extra effort, save that extra cost, as we've described before, for a version update to the book later on, for a second book, looking at a second um, a second niche, a second funnel, a section, a second call to action. Mm-hmm. Bigger isn't always better. What you're really looking for is the objective and that kind of minimum effective dose that um, who, um, oh, Tim Ferriss, sorry, um, that idea of the minimum effective dose in the 24-hour chef, it's, you can go over the top, but anything above the effective dose is effectively wasted. Anything below it isn't effective, so therefore you do need to do a little bit more. Anything above it is effort that could be better spent uh, spent elsewhere. Yeah, the, Absolutely. Eight by five size. I mean, if anyone's got a physical copy of the ninety-minute book or one of the other ones that we've created, that eight by five size, you do typically see eight and a half by five and a half is a very standard size on books. So this is on the smaller side. We recommend going on the slightly smaller side of that, not only for the pocketability and the feel that you can actually get it created, but it's surprising the difference that it has on the page count just going up that extra page will drop the page count by maybe 10 to 15 pages mm-hmm. and that's more detrimental than a slightly smaller trim size so keeping it simple as you're sat listening to this thinking about what you're creating think about what the um what the benefit of one versus the other is don't just go with six by nine because that's what you think actually think about the consequences of it and what the benefit of that is versus the downside which is the need to create all of that additional stuff so in the interest of keep it simple definitely the default is eight by five and they vary from there if you happen to have something that has more content rather than thinking oh, i've got to hit this arbitrary target of getting enough content to fill a six by nine book because of such and such a reason because that reason probably doesn't exist yeah 
Um, so that's trim size. So trim size, all of the publisher, all of the printing services will give you the dimensions. Um, they'll typically give it as a Word document because Word is the de facto office document um, rather than Google Docs or OpenOffice or one of the others. Uh, even pages, we sometimes run into an issue where people are trying to push things through as pages. There's not to say that you can't do all of those things. It's just then an additional manual step of needing to set up the right page dimensions, the right templates. So it's not worth that effort. Microsoft Word these days, it always was historically a paid product, but they now have a free tier in the Office 365. It might only be, as I'm talking about now, it might only be, the free tier might only be applicable on the iPad app. So you might need, if you don't have a paid version of it, you might need to do a little bit of digging around and it might, it might be quite as simple to get the, um, to get a free version of it. Um, there might be some other constraints, but it's much more accessible now than it was before. If you don't have access to Word, then you're going to be in a situation where in Google Docs or in Pages, you're trying to find a way of, um, of recreating those page margins. Again, it's not rocket science. All that you need to think about is the fact that in the physical book, facing pages, so odd number pages, one, three, five, seven, nine, etc., will need to be shifted off to the right. I'm just thinking about getting this the right round. It'll be <laughs> needed shifted off to the right hand side because the margin is on the left, and the opposite is true for the even pages, the back facing pages. The margin there is on the left hand side. So again, all of these systems, all of these tools have a way of setting that up. It's just how simple you want to keep it. Um, some people, particularly if you're looking in online forums or around publishing groups or around organizations that are happy to charge more money, then some people will talk about InDesign as a layout tool um i forget the name of the other ones because we don't use them um i'm blanking on the name of the other one but anyway indesign is the adobe version of it very popular and that is kind of like a desktop publishing package it will allow you to kind of character by character tweak all the format and the layout it's great if you're doing things like magazine or newspaper layouts where you've got columns um word and pages and Google Docs. Oh, I'm not sure about Google Docs. Word and pages, mm. at least, can do columns, but it starts getting a little bit fiddly, particularly when it goes over page breaks. InDesign is great for doing that complicated, complex layout. But things about keeping it simple, and this was really one of the conversations that triggered the thought for this episode, is that level of complexity is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So... The thing that you need to create at the end of the day is a PDF that will go to, with the correct margins, that will go to CreateSpace or Lightning Source or one of the other printing companies. That PDF can be created in anything, as long as it's a standard PDF with embedded fonts, which typically it is if you create it, then what you're what you sent them it doesn't matter the tool in which it was created. So rather than going down the complex route of buying and learning and knowing in design or finding someone externally who can do that for you which is possibly going to be more expensive then stick to the word document because you're just talking about a body of text paragraphs of text you're not talking about typically not talking about columns or strange layouts or move spinning things around or having them face the other way 
it's just text. So by far the most straightforward way of doing that is just in a Word document and then convert the Word document to a PDF. Make sense so far? It's making sense so far, yes. So I think the other element that kind of ties into that is... Um, Actually, finish that thought. So I started talking about the, if you go onto forms or communities of designers or publishers, they're talking about tools like that because in some circumstances they're doing more complicated things. And in other circumstances, there's a little bit of, there must be a term for this, but I can't think what it is. That kind of, um, ingrained thinking of a particular industry. If an industry starts thinking of a particular tool in a particular way as the kind of bare minimum this is the tool that you need to be in our business. It kind of, no one ever questions that again. It becomes the, the, the law of that community where you, in order to do this properly, in air quotes, you need to be using InDesign, which is completely not the case at all. It's perfectly adequate to um, use Word and create a, a PDF document from there. So again, don't get, it's like if you ever talk to mechanics, mechanics have got opinions on which vehicle you should and shouldn't buy and they could, talk to you for an hour on the pros and cons of each but at the end of the day pretty much every single vehicle out there particularly these days will get you from a to b um it's just that kind of insiders industry oh yeah oh no i'd never do that oh you don't want to do that that type of um, right that type of thought around it um i think sometimes people like to throw around their knowledge you know yeah. <laughs> And yeah. it's, you know, like, oh, this is what I know. And, and so they just, they, it, it kind of becomes a, you know, sometimes we amongst us go, okay, I know you, it's, it, it's something that you use. And, and, and sometimes a certain client, you can kind of feel that with them. There's a sense of like, oh, you don't use that. Or why don't you use that? And there's that sense of, like, you know, oh, well, that, that's what I use, you know, just pumped well, that's out. A- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a badge of a badge of honor if you've kind of mastered this complex thing. Right. You want to be shouting about it as much as possible, separate from the actual kind of validating the use case. Is it actually really necessary for this? Well, no, probably yeah. not. Um the um that that's a good mm-hmm. point because it ties into as well the thought that we have when we're helping people to do the outline of their book and not get too tied into the um the industry speak the industry thinking or the corporate speak of your own subject because you know it so well yeah. a never underestimate the simple steps because the person that you're talking to is way earlier in the journey and mm-hmm. and b be very careful of getting sucked into industry language or exclusionary language um, and, I, and, it, and that's very hard sometimes, you know, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, when you're when you're in it every day and you're speaking it every day and it, it can get it can get very hard, you know, but um, it's nice when it's nice. People may not know this, but I read every book that leaves our office. And so um, sometimes when I'm reading certain books, you know, it, it, I obviously I've picked up a lot of the language. Let's say we're talking about the financial stuff and they're using certain terms. And at some point. You're thinking. To, I'm thinking to myself. Well, you know, if you're just a common person who's never dealt with anything in the financial industry, you don't know what this is. You know, and yeah. it's always something that makes me think about that. So when you when people break it down, and I don't want to say, you know, dummy terms, but dumb. keeping it simple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, but but keeping it simple. You know, I always think it's so much. You know, it, there's a benefit to the reader. You know, and I think it's it doesn't. 
cloud the person's you know reading it they're really able to kind of read through it and understand it and and keeping it simple there's there's a whole um there's a positive there you know people really get to it and understand it and and maybe you know aren't intimidated by some of the the lingo you know that's exactly right and i think it's the same we talk a few times about tying it back into if you were talking to someone face to face at a party if you felt talked down to or belittled or felt like someone else was just using big words to try and demonstrate how clever they are none of that is a compelling factor or element to the conversation it's it's not that they or it's very rare that people will turn around and say wow that guy was using some really big um, complicated sounding terms I'm very impressed by that he I, I want to learn more 99% of the time it's that oh that guy was being a bit of a uh, bit of a well I'm trying yeah. to give a word that will keep off. the clean yeah. tag on yeah sure yeah. enough Show yeah both. exactly yeah yeah, yeah showboat because there is a way of sharing knowledge and positioning it at the level of the reader Mm-hmm. And that might be very complicated because you might be writing a book for that that audience, but but make sure that you're considering it and not just defaulting back to insider's insider language. But there is a way of doing it in a way that kind of leads them towards um leads them towards understanding how much you know and how much you can help them by positioning it at their level at the moment and then moving in parallel with them as they're as they're becoming more educated or understanding things more, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a fine line, and it's very easy to people feel people to fall on the wrong side of it. Yeah. I think the flip side of it as well, particularly around if you're looking jumping back to the um, jumping back to the point in hand and, and using InDesign and tools like that. If you're on a forum where people are trying to justify their own services, saying, "Oh, well, it's absolutely essential that you need all of this," because they're trying to justify their own costs or their own um their own budget it's very different again from just saying okay well what do i need and go from that direction rather than oh well you should have this because it then justifies the uh, the ends justifies the means type thing mm-hmm. yeah okay so that's um that's tools so there are the options so word we do everything in Word. The majority of our clients are corporate clients. Word is still the de facto corporate tool for getting words on a page. It's more than adequate for the job that we need to create the interiors of the book. It makes it accessible for as we're working with other people because then they can make edits and do updates and then they don't need to run off and find additional resources. It will be very problematic and exclusionary and we'd almost be tying people forcing people to work with us in the future which we want people to work with us in the future because we're great not because um they haven't got a choice so if we did everything in indesign it would be very problematic for other people to make changes it wouldn't be simple it wouldn't be um straightforward it would be a challenge so word is the de facto one check into the online versions of word and microsoft Mm -hmm. office 365 if you don't currently have word um, if you are needing to use pages or Google Docs, then the thing that you really need to look at is the margin, the page breaks on the left and right. Uh, just make sure that the margin setup and the page dimension is correct. And um, lastly, just remember that a lot of the printing services, particularly CreateSpace, will provide templates for you, definitely in Word, but will provide templates that you can use. And it's just a case of typing the words on the page in the way that you want them to look. 
Um, All right. The other simple thing on the, or the other reminder to keep it simple on the layout is not necessarily the tool as such, but just the complexity of what you're trying to stick on the page. So we talked a couple of shows ago about what to include, um, kind of the layout elements, what to include and what not to include. So I don't want to harp on about that again. If I'll, I'll stick a link in the show notes, um, back to that episode. I think it was, uh, either. I think it was episode 62 it's called uh, Images in Your Book so that we talked about some elements to include and not to include the only thing to add to it here in terms of keeping it simple is that simple is very relative to your own skill level if you're a power user in Word and you can manipulate stuff and you're very comfortable with sections and very comfortable with headers and footers and breaking things in the correct place, then adding some visual elements to it and moving, like we do, we move the chapter headings partway down the page um, so that the chapters more visually break on the page. Um, the page numbering, we keep it very simple and straightforward, but we start the page numbering from the actual content, not just from the very first page. So little things like that help the visual experience, but it very much depends on your own level of comfort. Um, again, jumping back to the beginning, ask us to do it for you, and then that's super straightforward. You don't need any knowledge. But if you are doing this yourself, want to make this useful for people who are listening and trying to get this completed themselves... I would say don't worry about it and just start from as long as it's consistent it doesn't really matter whether something's included or excluded typically you would have page numbers just on the content pages not on the kind of the the um intro and outro type pages but if you can only create a document that's got page numbers on every page then that's fine stick with that it's not going to significantly move the needle or, or slow the boat down from getting to have a conversation with people likewise with um, headers and footers if you want to put your name in the top of it i mean you can do it's not really going to make the boat go any faster it's not going to compel someone to take an action step with you because you've got your name on the top of every other page but if you want to do that and it's comfortable enough for you, you're comfortable enough with headers in order to do it and you can get them on the right page in the right position and you really want to do it and it makes you feel good, then crack on. But on the converse, if you can't do that, it's really not going to make any negative. Um, there's going to be no, no negative impact to that at all. So don't worry about it too much. Visual elements in the book, um, kind of like underlining chapter headings, having pages always start on a facing page rather than a back page. Um, little symbols like visual um, logos or icons in there all of these things if you're super comfortable with it and it will take you virtually no additional time to do it then by all means have at it and 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 crack on if you can't don't worry about it it's not going to slow mm -hmm. the boat down at all it's not going to negatively it's, it's going to have absolute minimum negative impact on whether the person takes the next step because it's the words that are important. So don't waste any effort on trying to do it. The one thing that I will say is be consistent. So if you are yes. going to do it, make sure that it's consistent all the way through the book and looks exactly the same. Um, if you aren't going to do it, don't let one of them end up in a stray place. Right, so right, in right. terms of keeping it simple, um, don't worry about it unless you can do it without worrying about it. And if you do do it, be consistent. Yeah. I mean, we go through that when we, when that, you know, there's, there's times that something might get missed in, in layout and somebody 
when I look at it, it maybe there's stars. Somebody wants double stars at the beginning of every chapter or every other chapter or every three chapters. And there's no rhyme or re- you know, reason. So I always have to question it. Like, all right, yeah. let's either have every chapter or let's do, let's just keep it, you know, keep it, keep it simple. But also keeping it simple to me is not cloud, not, not, Mm, not junking yeah like out. cluttering up the yeah, yeah cluttering up yeah. the page particularly i think with headers and footers and adding all of the things at the at the top so some people will or it's pretty common to see or it's not uncommon i guess to see the name of the book or the name of the chapter up in the the header at the top of the page on the facing page and then the back page have the person's name but really when you think about it how does that help the reader no. we're talking about yeah. books where the chapters are relatively short anyway because you want to stick to the point and then move on to the next point yeah it doesn't help anyone apart from well it doesn't help anyone by having your name plastered all over the top of it it's not like people mm-hmm. are going to forget who you are who, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and to a certain degree even if they do forget who you are then who cares it's like dean's kind of in the realtor space when we compare doing a get a listings campaign where you send out uh, postcards to a neighborhood that doesn't really talk about you as a realtor uh, apart from having the contact details on there so comparing that campaign with a typical thing that you see like you'll see a realtor's face and jenny jones getting it done or jenny jones get sold and their face plastered all over a bus seat or a billboard will often use the phrase do you want to be rich or famous because you can spend a lot of money on ineffective things or you can focus on things that aren't necessarily going to include your name, but actually gets to the next step, gets the, the job of work of the device, gets it done. It moves people onto the next stage. Mm-hmm. So I know, I mean, it really junks up the page yeah. and it doesn't add anything to the process, given that no. the process is trying to get people to take the the step that's listed in the call to action on the back. Exactly. And I'm, I'm more of a, I, I tend to keep things cleaner and neater and, you know, that's with the exception of my desk, but um, <laughs> I just like a very clean look and you yeah. know, very simple. And so, yeah, when I start seeing things like that, little icons and, um, you know, if it doesn't have, even if it has to do with your brand, it still doesn't, it doesn't, that's not, it doesn't need to be there, you know, so yeah. Uh, we try to discourage it on our end, you know, from, yeah, from it's definitely, unless it's, unless it's moving the job forward, unless it has a purpose, yeah. then right. probably better not to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just on that consistency topic, I don't think we talked about it in the, in the last show, but a couple of the catches that we get as we look through it, doing that final check are things like spacing around the paragraph, not having mm-hmm. extra spaces where you've hit kind of the, the return key um, and you haven't particularly noticed, make sure that the style is the same on each of the paragraphs so there's not extra spacing or slightly different fonts has crept mm-hmm. in. Bullets and numbering and the kind of indents that you have on each of those, make sure all of those things are consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, we Again, if you think about doing this yourself, in words, make sure you turn on the non-printing characters button so that you can actually see what's behind mm. the spaces so it doesn't just look like spacing. You can also turn on page borders, page outlines, and table outlines and view the printing area. So all of the invisible things that actually make up the page become visible with kind of the outline dots so you can actually see what's going on rather than just trusting that, oh, there's some space there, I'm sure it's fine. Um, True. Again, all yeah. of these little yeah. things are 
to some degree power things in words, the simpler you keep it, the fewer of those things you have to worry about because you're just dealing with text. Right. Um, okay, so that's probably uh, good for the interior. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, you just need the PDF creating. If you can't create a PDF from whatever document you've got, Word pages and Excel um uh, Excel, <laughs> Word pages <laughs> and uh, Google Docs all have uh, export to PDF function on them, uh, particularly on macOS. I'm not so sure about Windows, but um, particularly on macOS they do. And so that's no problem at all. If you're really struggling and you've got a document that you absolutely can't convert to PDF, then there's a couple of PDF, online PDF tools. One's called I Love... Um, I think it's called ilovepdf.com. Mm -hmm. um, typically, I don't use that, but I'm sure I've referred people to that in the past. Super straightforward. Another one's called Cloud Convert. That one we do use quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, not for this particular thing, but we use it to convert other files. So those are two ways of converting the doc that you've got into a PDF. So the cover then, the exterior, the key thing there, again, is sizing and bleed. So this is starting to get a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more difficult to get a cover file, depending on how you're setting it up. So again, this ties back to what we were talking about Word. If you're very comfortable in some design tools, with not without making it any more complicated, you've got the opportunity to do more stuff. If you're not comfortable, but you still want to do it yourself then keep it as straightforward as possible. And that will mean that some of the complexities don't need to come into play. So dimensions, the publishers or the printers rather, the game will give you the dimensions that they need. That's typically the size of the file and uh, the size of the book. So eight by five plus a, a, an amount of space for the spine. So depending on the number of pages you've got, the size of the dimensions of the spine will change slightly. Plus they'll want a little bit of, um, bleed area over the edge. I'm not actually technically using the right terms here, but I hope the point's coming across. Um, it's actually the trim area, sorry, over the edge, so that when their machine's cutting it, if there's a little bit of variation on the machine, it's not going to be the end of the world. So in terms of keeping it simple, having a solid colour background on the front and back, so obviously white is the easiest because that's just no colour, so having a solid column on the background and then having text well within the kind of the edge areas of the page is the most straightforward because then you don't need to worry so much about the trim size and things like that because if the trim is a little bit off, you're only dealing with a white background anyway. Some people have a full image on the front. Mm -hmm. um, the thing to keep in mind there is make the image, make sure that the image is bigger than you need because of this trim issue and the bleed issue. The printers need a bit of space around the edge. So don't get an image that's just perfectly eight by five because that's not going to be big enough for what you actually need. Each printer will typically have a calculation that they'll give you in order to calculate the spine. So it will say the number of pages multiplied by a certain um, depth, page depth and um yeah, the page number is multiplied by the number that they're giving you for the page depth, will give you the spine, and then you've got the back cover as well. Uh, again, typically most of them will want just a single image that's got the front, back, and spine all together, uh, although some of them ask for them separately. Um, and then really it's just keep, a case of keeping it straightforward. 
um, a solid color background takes away some of those edges, some of those issues. Having the name of the book, the subheading, the author name on the front, a single image, nice and straightforward. There's a tool. Obviously, we've got in-house designers, so they're using um, Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever mm -hmm. uh, design tool is the most relevant. But if you're trying to do this at home, there's an online image editor called Canva, a C-A-N-V-A, which is very good. Um, they won't specifically have the dimensions that you need, but you can enter in custom dimensions and then move margins around and things like that. So that's yeah. a very useful tool. And they've got a lot of templates, again, not specifically book templates, but templates where you can insert images and different fonts. And for most people, I think if you don't have a designer or design skills, then that's probably a good place to start. Um, the back, we've talked at length about what should be on the back cover before in terms of keeping it simple in the design the only additional thing you need to remember is there is a kind of a reserved area somewhere on the back cover typically the bottom right for the barcode so make sure you don't put anything in that because it will get overwritten but the other thing is then just to think about the page dimensions think about the size of the fonts and just think about the back cover being legible don't make it, don't try and squeeze too much stuff in there. At the end of the day, you're not going to convince anyone to do anything just by trying to jam more words on the back. What okay. you really want to do is give them the simple steps to kind of finish the thoughts that they had when they picked up the book in the first place or requested the book in the first place. So again, don't get carried away trying to convince people with more words. And the last point on the back cover is just think about the difference in the back cover text as far as we're talking about or the job of work that we're talking about so that's encouraging people to take the next step versus the job of work of the back cover text on a traditional fiction book where the job of the back cover is to give a kind of a tease or a testimonial in order to get you to buy the book in the first place so that's typically not what we're talking about here we're not talking about writing text on the back to talk about how good the book is we're talking about writing text on the back that gives people the next step so that they can continue their journey so again don't overcomplicate it by trying to chuck too much stuff on there the layout of the books and the bottom, the fact that the barcode's on the bottom typically means that there is space for either a company logo or your image to go on the bottom depending on which way around you want to do it you can squeeze both in there but again like Betsy was saying before, it starts to get a little bit um, jammed in. Sometimes there's a risk of trying to squeeze too much in there and it looks complicated and then it detracts from the main call to action. Um, but the thing to really remember is just keep it simple. If you don't have design skills, if you don't want, if you want to do it yourself, then Canva is a great tool. Okay. Um, if you're not working with us to, to do your book, but you really need someone to do the cover, then there are... Um, services like 99designs that will do cover um that will do kind of bespoke cover jobs um people can bid for the various um you basically put a tender out there and then people bid for the work um obviously the most straightforward way of doing it all is just to work with us and then we'll take care of everything for you so <laughs> in the <laughs> in the keep it the simplest then it's uh it's jump on board with us <laughs> exactly um, that was another long bit of talking. Did that um, did that cover bit make sense? I think I think those are the yeah. main bits to keep it simple. I, I don't think we missed anything there. 
No, I don't think we did. I think um, you know, you're talking about the back cover and how you know people people tend to get a little wordy. But you know, I was just kind of scrolling through some of our um, our covers in our gallery, and um, when I look at our covers, and again, if, if readers have or listeners happen to to go to our gallery, remember that um, our authors have signed off on these designs, and so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just remember you're that. trying to suggest there's no accounting for taste <laughs> right so you know sometimes they they can get a little wordy you know as well um but when you look at them some of the ones that are just very simple you know there's a title there's a simple subtitle some may not even have an image on them um they're one single color you know or one single image those are the ones that really um in my that i tend i'm drawn to you know um first and just very very simple it's not all the glitz not all the glam not all the images and all the stuff coming at you um i tend to just kind of go right over all that you know all the words and um yeah and again it's going back to that, that might thing that we're saying well i think there is some personal preference in it to be sure yeah. i think it is easy for people to think that more is more and they've got this is like the one opportunity mm-hmm. to stuff in as much as possible but like for example the difference between um i'm trying to think of some examples but um like walmart versus the apple store the kind of less is more layout of the apple store versus the slightly pilot cram as much in there as the floor space as possible in walmart it you really get the difference not just in terms of the position but the clarity of message so walmart is slightly overwhelming because there's there isn't a single message in there when you go through this door it's very unclear what you're supposed to do next because there are so many different options. Mm-hmm. The Apple Store is relatively, and again, not one to compare everything to Apple, or because that's a pet peeve, but uh, but right. a store where there is a single purpose. Um, there was a Tesla dealership in, or showroom in a mall that I was in the other day, and again, that's very straightforward. There's a couple of people greeting very close to the beginning of the store. There's then two demo models of a model three and a model s and then behind that there's then a um counter desktop type place where there's more information so that is very obvious what i do i speak to this person first just to get the lay of the land and probably they'll collect details then i get to touch and feel the thing it's very experiential and then after that we start going into the details it's not like at the beginning of the store there's all of the fact sheets on the models and talking about usage costs and how you need to have a power station installed in the home the details don't come first it's the easing through the the next step and the same with the cover the the whole purpose of the cover is to get people to stop for a second as they're scrolling past the rest of their online life and say this is a thought i was having this is a problem that i had here's something that is providing a solution in a straightforward way a minimum viable commitment way to take the next step the cover is that next step it's all it needs to do is get them to take that next step the back cover is then exactly the same it assumes that people have already requested it because they've already raised their hands so therefore they've already got that problem they're already looking for a solution they've already read some or all of the content so they're at the point now that they want to take the next step they want to be led by the hand to the next thing to do so the back 
cover copy its single purpose is to in a minimum viable commitment way take people allow people present people with the opportunity Mm -hmm. to take that next step nothing more nothing less nothing distracting nothing new just take that next step right yeah there you go keep it simple okay yeah exactly keep it simple so um let's draw a land under it there save some more for the next show um the simplest way as we've said is to work with us so if you are listening to this and anything was overwhelming or you just want it done for you then head over to 90minutebooks.com and follow the get started links to uh, be taken through that process go into all of the details of the actual program itself and and how to get started If you want to read the show notes, scroll back through the transcript of the call and pick up on any of the particular things. If you are doing this yourself and uh, don't want us to do it for you, then there's a couple of specific pointers we've put in this show. So you can scroll back through and listen again to those. So that's going to be at 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And then uh, take a look at the transcript for the particular things. And uh, lastly, probably if you want to be a guest on the show and we can go through the uh, your own book blueprint scorecard to see which of the elements you're um, you've got in hand you're well versed in your uh, uh, you've got that advanced mindset thinking or which ones you need some help with so be a guest on the show and we can run through your scorecard and um, just head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash guest and then there's some um, fill out a form in there and then we'll be in touch to get a show recorded Uh, I did mention then the book blueprint scorecard. So if you haven't done yours and you're interested in the eight mindsets that really lead to the most effective lead generation book, then head over to bookblueprintscore.com and you can complete an online scorecard yourself and measure yourself against those eight mindsets and really get a strong feeling for which ones you're excelling in, which ones there's, there's room for improvement. Awesome. Very good. Okay. So anything, anything I've forgotten? Yeah, I think we got it. Perfect. Well, in that case, it is a hot Friday here in Philadelphia. I'm going to turn the air conditioning back on because I shut it off while we were recording and uh, go and get a drink and looking forward to speaking to everyone in the next one. Very good. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Betsy. Catch you later. Take care.